Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect. Here are your hosts, veterans John Galena and Brad Borders. Good afternoon and welcome to Putting the Pieces Back Together presented by Purple Heart Homes. We are thrilled to have a special guest with us today. And uh, for those of you that are watching on Facebook, it is not Devin Alexander. Uh, the <laughs> Devil Dog is in studio, but uh, I've got a much uh, much better looking co-host sitting next to me. And uh, the glare is not quite so bright, but uh, his name is Rick Goforth. Come and, on, uh, man. We are thrilled to have him here with us. You know, uh, there's something that makes me feel a little more comfortable with having a uh, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel next to me as opposed to uh, a devil dog? You, you probably just feel a little safer is, is all. I, I, I think uh, those Army guys are always uh, scared of us of Marines. Don't you get danger pay for being uh, too close to me? Well, that would be hazardous duty pay. And um, yeah, there is a such thing if there are too many Marines around me. Too many Marines. I too think many. one is too many for you. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that could be that could be the case, depending on who they are. But uh, we are we are thrilled to have uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Rick Goforth here with us today, uh, longtime friend of uh, Purple Heart Homes, a phenomenal supporter of veterans, and uh, just looking forward to uh, hearing his story. Brad is out today with our uh, executive team doing some planning for Purple Heart Homes. This was a great opportunity for me to uh, skip out, and uh, so they're going to be getting a test when I when I get off the air to see uh, just how well their their planning is going. But we are uh, looking forward to uh, meeting with our board next month and unveiling the uh, new plans for 2024 and beyond. Uh, lots of great expansion there happening. Many, many more vets being uh, supported and helped. You know, we, we've just um, recently lost a, a veteran. I know we talked a little bit about it last week, uh, Mr. Bill Rocap up in uh, Taylorsville. And now uh, after a week of reflection and, and just thinking about that, just um, it's a it's a great driver for us to understand the impacts that we have and you know while we were there with uh, Bill um, you know helping him uh, just understanding the value of his home and what it meant to him and hearing him uh, be excited about having running water in his home for the first time after 20 years uh, without any running water uh, just life-changing hearing him tell the doctors that um, he just wanted to go home and, and be at peace uh, in his purple home, as he called it, there in, uh, in Barrett Mountain with uh, his church without walls. Uh, just so, so energizing for all of us in a Purple Heart Homes family to, to know the impact of the work that, that we have. And thank you all the supporters that are out there that really make it happen. We could not do it without you. And so I want to uh, go ahead and turn our attention again to uh, Rick, and I want to I want to learn a little bit more about your story, Rick. While I've known you for years, I, I've really known you in the capacity of your service through CVMA and, and the work that you do through the Combat Vets Motorcycle Association. And so, you know, I, I knew you had had some transition early in your career, and I kind of messed that up a little bit when I accused you of having uh, joined the Army first, and you told me you were smarter than that. But uh, tell me, where, where are you from? How did you how did you come to join the military? Well, I grew up right here in Statesville, on, of all places, Wilmington Avenue, South Statesville. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, grew up over there, went to Avery Sherrill School right here in town. Uh, I had an older brother that was uh, murdered. I was only 10 years old when that happened, and at that point, my parents decided that 
uh, we were moving to the country and moved out there to uh, 115, not far from where you grew up. Uh, actually, we both went to the same grade school, Central. Central Elementary. Central Commons. That's us, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so grew up out there. Uh, my dad was a World War II uh, combat veteran, served in the Pacific under the Navy. He came from a big family. In fact, uh, himself and his five brothers all served in World War II, every single one of them. So it was kind of in my blood. I um, was just an average, on a good day, uh, student. And uh, so I had a sparse, couple partial scholarships to play ball uh, at Appalachian. Uh, was one of them before they got good. And the other one was Elon. And uh, back then they were called the Fighting Christians. But my folks couldn't afford to pay the other half. So it wasn't a full scholarship. So um, back then, Statesville was so small, we didn't even have our own recruiters. Uh, we had, had to go to Salisbury. So I went down there one day and thought, well, you know, let me just look around. And I ended up in the uh, Air Force recruiter's office. And um, he said, all right, come back and take the ASVAB test. And so that's when I told you I'd scored high enough. I didn't have to go in the Army or the Marines. Got picked for the Air Force. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so uh, I'd done that, and it was one of my best friends, a guy named Tony Ballard that lives here in town, taught at West Iredale. We went in uh, together on the buddy plan. And I was lucky enough, I got picked for uh, an aerial photographer school, which was really, really rare. And he was going in to be a uh, foreign language expert. And we went to go in on the buddy plan, and the recruiter said, uh, well, you can't, you can't do the buddy plan together on those two tech schools. One of you is going to have to change. And uh, Tony said, there's no way I'm changing. I said, well, I'll change. And the guy looks at me like I have a third hole or third eye when I said, well, I'll change. And he goes, you don't understand. I have never had this class come down that you can have. He says, you'll be in the backseat of an F4 flying around at 19 years old taking pictures doesn't matter and he goes son you still don't understand you're only going to be in basic training together and then you split ah he's my best friend okay fine you're going to be a cop and that's what i went in to be so i gave up my uh uh slot went in i uh, got assigned to be a what they call a security policeman uh, tony lasted two weeks got out of the service with migraine headaches so I went on to be a cop. My first assignment uh, initially was going to be working a uh, missile silo in Maelstrom, Montana. You know, a couple hundred feet underneath the ground. Then they said, who wants to be a dog handler? I broke the golden rule of the military. I raised my hand and said, I'll volunteer. Got picked for it and was going to be, I thought, well, I don't go to Montana. So I put in for North Carolina, joined service to see the world. Got Seymour Johnson walking around nuclear weapons again. So... <laughs> Met a guy at a place called Camp Bullets that we all had to go through where we had to play Army for a couple weeks. And oh, Wait a minute. Air Force played Army? Y'all look yeah. up to us like yeah. that? that yeah. That's cool. That's right. At Camp Bullets. <laughs> uh, met a guy named Don Dobbins. And he goes, where are you going to get based at? And I said, Seymour Johnson. I said, where are you going to get based at? And he goes, Myrtle Beach. Oh, I said, gosh. you're kidding me. I love Myrtle Beach. And, and Don Dobbins was the coolest dude you ever met in your life. He goes, is that what you want? And he's only a two-striper because he went in for six years. And I said, yeah, but I'm going to Seymour Johnson. He goes, well, is that what you want? And I'm like, yeah, but I can't have it. I'm going to Seymour Johnson. And he goes, well, that's what you want. I love it. On my mom's grave, next morning, they stand up in class. They go, Airman, go forth. You have been reassigned. You're going to drug dog school, and you're being assigned to Myrtle Beach. 
And that's when I learned in the military, it's not what you know, but who you know. That's right. Don's dad was an E-9 in charge of enlisted assignments. And he made a phone call that night. And I went from working Seymour Johnson to drug dog handler school to Myrtle Beach. Wow. What a story. What a story. So that's how I ended up down there. And uh, I just kind of took off from there. Uh, I had a great roommate down there named Warren Gall who started going to school. Ended up with an associate's degree, got out, went to work for Myrtle Beach Police Department. <coughs> Excuse me, and I thought, well, I need to do something like that. Warren ended up being chief of police for 17 years and still friends to this day. And I started school, and uh, kind of how it led me to go uh, the path that I ended up going down. And so... We're uh, we're gonna we're getting ready to go to a break, so we're gonna pause you right there for just a minute because I know this next part is exciting and uh, and hearing that uh, transition from a uh, enlisted to an officer. You are listening to putting the pieces back together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. We have special guest retired Lieutenant Colonel Rick Goforth here in studio with us, and we will be right back with an update on the rest of this story. Welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And we are here live in WSIC News Talk Studios. And we have special guests with us today, retired Lieutenant Colonel Rick Goforth, uh, Air Force veteran. And uh, I'm going to tell you just some extraordinary stories. Looking forward to uh, hearing more. And so, Rick, you were just telling us about uh, how you uh, enlisted into the Air Force, uh, your your time in this, uh, you know, duty station that had to have just been absolutely horrible to be stationed down at Myrtle Beach wearing an Air Force uniform as a as a dog handler and a, a, a law enforcement officer and I mean it had to be that's like a hardship duty station for exactly. Air Force right? It was accounted for my one year hardship <laughs> as the Air Force absolutely Did the uh, Marines come down from Lejeune to harass you on a no, regular basis? No they came basis? down for our chow hall that's I, exactly I can believe I, that I actually, yeah, On the I, weekends I probably would yeah, have to I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, one of the best stories, this is the one last story I'll tell about when I was enlisted. There was a, it was a young Army guy who came down from Bragg. We should get a lot of those. And uh, he, uh, at that time, you know, obviously marijuana was the big drug of choice. And I caught him with probably eight ounces, which, you know, oh. back then that was like a sinful thing almost. He was a young kid. I mean, he was like E1, E2. And I wasn't going to ruin his career even back then. And I said, I'm going to give you two choices. I'm going to take you to jail. Or I'm going to let you eat it. Oh my gosh! And of course he goes, "I'll eat it, sir." I'm like start eating, and he goes, "I said, oh no, no, you got to chew it up." So he started chewing this up, and I'm like, "No, one bite at a time, swallow." And he's eating it, and uh, it's probably two or three minutes in it, and it was uh, somewhat like what, what what movie was it where the the Girl's head spun around. This green soup started coming out. Oh, The Exorcist! Yeah. Well, that's yeah. kind of what it was like. He was like The Exorcist. Um, uh, uh, I will never do it. Uh, this green stuff coming out his mouth. I've never seen come before. And I said, "Are you ever going to do it again?" No, sir. Uh, throwing up. And I said, "Okay." And I walked away and got a laugh. And I'm pretty sure he never, ever, ever 
brought marijuana back on an Air Force base again. I, I bet he thought twice. <laughs> I, you know, it, it might be like uh, you know when you get sick after uh, taking that first chew. He might he might have never done it again after that period. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. had an experience like that in gym class, and I, I'm not going to talk too much about that because my mom's let me know she's listening. So, okay. oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we better not. Let's tell yeah. some good stories about Devin while mom's listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went. I, like I said, I started going to school, uh, Ori Georgetown Tech, out there, like my buddy Warren. Did and I thought well, I better do something because I was going to get out and go to work for Myrtle Beach Police Department hopefully. And uh, one particular night I had to work the flight line, which guard airplanes is what I was doing with my dog. The dog's name was Chico, and we're sitting there. And back then, you still got newspapers, and there was an article about the size of your little finger. And it said, "Are you enlisted? Do you have an associate's degree or almost an associate's degree? Do you want to be a pilot or a navigator?" And I looked at my dog like I'm looking at you. I said, "What do you think? Fly them." Or guard them, guard them, or fly them. And he looked at me like I had a third eye. And I said, okay. And so I got a hold of this contact in the paper, and he says, yeah, it's called the 3910 program. Uh, go down to your basic education office, tell them you want to take the AFOQT, which stood for Air Force Officers Qualification Test, and that you want to take the pilot nav part. Wow. I'm like, okay. And if you score and we take you, we'll. They'll discharge you and take you right into college full-time as a full-time college student. I'm like, okay. So I went down there, and I, the young lady that was working, she was a staff sergeant. I told her what I wanted to do, and she looked at me like I had a third eye. I'm pretty sure I reminded her of her ex-husband or boyfriend because she was not very nice <laughs> to me. And I said, okay. She says, come back in two weeks and take it. I was like, okay. And I said, I'm going to take the pilot nav all at the same time. She goes, yeah. Now... Our squadron was right beside one of the A-10 squadrons. And I'll never forget that day. I'm going to work, going to guard mount, as we called it. And here comes this little first lieutenant. And I said, sir, blah, blah, blah. You know, gotta, can I ask you a question? He goes, sure. It's a true story. It's, I said, uh, I'm qualifying or taking the test to go to pilot training, you know, the FOQT, and i got to take the pilot nav test. How hard is it? And he looks at me, and I had no clue what he was talking about. And he goes, well, how many hours do you have? I go, sorry? He goes, how many hours do you have? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, how many flight hours? I'm like, oh, I flew to basic training and flew back home. <laughs> I, I don't think they counted that, did they? This is exactly what he did. Good luck, son. <laughs> and walks off. And I'm like, there goes my flying career. I'm done. And so... Uh, back then, we drove those old blue Dodges, and we had no cell phones or anything. And all of a sudden, I get a call from the desk sergeant, who had to be my roommate, Warren Gall. And he goes, Sergeant, go for it. You have a phone call. Which gate are you closest to? And I said, I'm close to the front gate. So I went up there, and he goes, hey, this is Lieutenant Meese. I'm the guy that you talked to in the park. I'm really sorry for the way I answered that. What are you doing? I said, I'm just driving around. He goes, come over to this building. And he goes, I'll, I'll show you a couple things. So he basically showed me, this is what it looks like in an airplane going up. This is down. This is right. This is left. This is upside down. And he goes, that's about all I can show you. Because they didn't have a simulator at the time in, in Myrtle Beach. I said, okay. Well, I passed the test. And I'll never forget, again, the same girl, my third eye. I went down there, and she goes, well, you passed. Yeah. I said, excellent. And she looked at me, and she goes, that doesn't mean you get to go to pilot training. You oh. still got to take a physical. What did you do to her? I'm telling you, I look just like her ex-boyfriend or husband. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I go up, I set up my flight physical, and I go over there, and uh, I, I take the physical, and I thought I was in good shape. And so um, the girl goes, you're too tall. 
sitting height. I go, what do you mean? She goes, max sitting height is 39 inches because of the ejection seat. Uh-huh. And I said, no, 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 I'm good. I, I, she goes, no. I said, I think you need to remeasure. She goes, fine, I'll remeasure. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> she goes, do not squat. I said, I'm not. I said, she, she's, oh, amazing. You're exactly 39 inches now. Oh, gosh. I, I would have had to sit up a little straight. Yeah, a, well. So <laughs> maybe stand on the chair. I'm, maybe. So I ended up uh, getting my pilot slot, went to a, a private university down in uh, Charleston, and I took my first college class in uh, January of 80, and I graduated with a bachelor's degree uh in May of 82. So I did all four years in 27 months. Wow. And pilot school. Well, no, I, I was I was just uh, pilot, or, uh, my bachelor's degree to get oh, to go okay. to pilot training. And then I went to pilot training in August of uh, 82 and uh, ended up doing okay there and got my first choice and started flying around the world. So I flew uh, 141s and then C-17s and uh, enjoyed it very much. Some really, really, really nice people. And it worked out well. I spent 14 years on active duty and then uh, got out. The airlines was hiring like big time, so I put in my uh, paperwork to get out. And my first interview was with American Airlines, and I got turned down. Um, I was sitting on the curb by my mailbox in Altus, Oklahoma, because I was an instructor out there. And I'm like, what have I done? I've showed my hand now that I went out of the Air Force. There goes my career for promotion. And uh, I don't know why I got turned down, but it actually worked out. Um, so I got hired by my next two airlines um, uh, that I applied for. So I ended up working originally for Northwest Airlines, and uh, I turned down Delta because I didn't want to live in Atlanta. And I wanted to work for, at the time, was Piedmont, and I got hired by them. And uh, I got a call from Northwest that said, hey, can you come a month early? We got a school date for you. And I didn't want to go because I wanted to work for U.S. Air. I live on Lake Norman. Called a buddy of mine. He says, you need to come on in. You know, at least learn the airplane. You're going to be flying at uh, U.S. Air. You can get a jump start. I'm like, that's a good idea. Well, I, I got there and uh, found out that um, I was going to be on an old pay scale that they were doing away with, which was pretty decent. Because um, everybody thinks there are these airline pilots make all this kind of money. But your first year, I made $11,000 is all I made. Wow. Yeah, it's it's not what people think it is. That's going up some now, but back then uh, you didn't even make a thousand dollars a month, and so uh, it's kind of like the military with the SGLA. You have to pay back your uniforms, and I got my first paycheck, and it was like three hundred and seventy dollars. And I called finance. I said, I think this is wrong, and the, uh, the lady's like, Well, let's talk about it. And she started taking all these deductions out. And I go, Never mind. And so, welcome to the airline business. Three hundred and seventy dollars for two weeks' work. Wow, you were making more uh, being a, a drug dog runner. I was uh, <laughs> just about <laughs> for, for the Air Force. That's that, that is amazing. That that is just. And so amazing. I went on. I ended up uh, uh, Delta bought us. I ended up uh, flying for Delta for 30, 32 years. So um, I'm probably the only guy that you'll ever meet that wasn't that upset about COVID because they offered us some early retirements, and uh, I about jerked their arm off and retired three years early. So, and have wow. not looked back or regretted it one bit. And which leads into my passion that you are most familiar with is motorcycling. Yeah. I, I do uh, Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association. I, I went in as just a regular member, ended up being a chapter commander, 
and then I served a term as a state representative. Uh, did that for three years and um, let that go, and now I'm what they call a jam, just a member. Just, just a member. A, just a member. Okay. So, which I really, really enjoy. Um, but I still do as much work, which um, Purple Heart Homes has benefited from our big rides that we have first weekend of every May. Um, I do uh, Project Healing Waters where I teach guys with disabilities or whatever they want, uh, teach them how to fly fish. Uh, I've done that for many years. So, and a tour on the motorcycle. Wherever I want to that, go. That's amazing. And Rick, let me just say, uh, benefited from CVMA is an understatement. Uh, CVMA as a whole has uh, raised nearly $250,000 to support veterans through Purple Heart Homes and is one of our favorite uh, partner charities that is just doing some amazing things. And and the, the, the mantra with CVMA is vets helping vets. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yep. Yeah, and so and that's what it's about, and doing a great job. And we're just so uh, thankful for the work that you all do. And uh, you are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And we are here with uh, special guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Rick Goforth. And we will be right back, and uh, we'll hear more about his work with CVMA in just a few moments. Welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And uh, just a quick shout out to uh, to Joe and uh, to Justin. Thanks for uh, getting the official Purple Heart Homes uh, uh, bed music back, and uh, we're just we're thrilled with that. And uh, you know we um, we've kind of changed format here a little bit. There's a lot of a lot of changes as we've transitioned from Tuesdays to Thursdays from. Uh, 8 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was ready for a nap before I come in here, but I realized I had to had to go to work, and so uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> and so uh, you know, as, as we're making these little changes, uh, please bear with us. We'll get back into the rhythm here, uh, here real soon. theme music every every uh, time we start yeah, up, it's, right? Uh, it's <laughs> definitely kept me on my toes. Uh, yep, definitely kept me on my toes. But uh, no, just uh, really thrilled uh, with uh, Justin as the new station owner here, and uh, things are going great and couldn't couldn't be more proud to uh, be on WSIC and uh, couldn't be more proud to be from Iredell County as we've got our special guest with us today, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rick Goforth and another uh, great Iredell County resident and uh, born and raised in the north end of the county and you know, just uh, gone all around the world doing great things and continuing to do great things right here at home as uh, he chose Iredell County when he retired. Could have could have retired, imagine, anywhere in the world. I could have. Uh, I retired from, uh, like I said, I spent 14 years on active duty, and I spent another eight in the reserves. And I was living in Minnesota at the time. And uh, since I didn't want to commute to two different places. I was having to commute to Charleston to do my reserve duty. And uh, I didn't want to live here and commute to the reserve duty and commute to my job. But that's the one good thing about being an airline pilot. You can live anywhere. And so once I retired from the airlines, I decided to move. I mean, from the Air Force, I decided to move back to uh, Iredell County and make it a full time. Because as we were talking about, I, my first love is motorcycling. And when you can be on the Blue Ridge Parkway in an hour and a half, or if you really want to go to the beach, you can be there in three and a half hours. Um, but getting back to touching on something that you were talking about, this, the, the CVMA, uh, which stands for Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association, we started a ride back in 2008. Uh, um, the first year, I was hoping to make $3,000, and we made 10000 which we gave it all to you guys. 
Um, and it's just the most we've ever made. It was close to $40,000, a bunch of motorcyclists in one day to give away. So, but it's not the CVMA that makes the money. It's the community. It's the guys who will come up there. When I say guys, it's all sexes. That uh, will come up there even when it's raining, pay their uh, fee to ride in it. Um, the All the companies that donate, so our big auction, we can auction off of them. Lowe's Corporation has been very, very generous to us the last couple of years with some really great, uh, great gifts to auction off. And then we take that money and in turn uh, donate it back out to uh, local veterans, and which has really, really helped us a lot. And so we're hoping this next year, like I said, it's always the first week in May. And we start up at a um, – we've partnered with Crossroads uh, Harley-Davidson up in Wilkesboro for the last 13 years, and uh, Mike Lipford and Micah Dunleavy, the, they've just been phenomenal people to partner up with. And we, over the years, we've had a kind of a hard time finding an endpoint because some people just have a bad taste about motorcyclists, but uh, we've never, ever, ever, ever had a problem. Um, and we're hoping that we have found a new home to end it. Uh, we'll know pretty soon out here at Southern Distillery, which you All guys right. are teamed up with. Love them. Yeah, they're awesome, awesome people. So we're hoping to team up with Southern Distillery under their new facility and that will be our permanent I'm gonna tell you if, ride if destination. You, if you have not been to Southern Distilling and seen the new barn and, and the facility and the growth that's happening there, it is unbelievable. I'm going to tell you, it is a tourist attraction. It is, it is, it is if you want to learn about the history of North Carolina and, and bourbon making, it started right here in North Carolina. Uh, yes. the, the stills, the moonshine, I mean, the, the history that's all there, it's phenomenal. Great, great place to go check out. And Statesville was particularly uh, prominent during that time period because we have great water running right underneath our city. I don't know if folks know that, but there's a lot of water resources, uh, natural springs, uh, the Catawba River. But there's only one spring in Cool Spring. Is that right? Yeah, there's only one, no S. No, no oh, oh, just oh, cool. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my. Depends on which side of the county you come from. On one side it says springs. On the other side it says spring. And I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of comments uh, about that here soon. But I, let, me, let me throw one more thing out for uh, Southern Distillery. They're, they, If you've never had an old-fashioned, mm. which is oh, it's was born and bred up in Wisconsin, uh, that is the place of all around here. I think they have the absolute best, best old fashioned. Their, their own special uh, mix and recipe. Oh I mean, yeah, it's it, it's, it, it's to die for. It's really good. So anyway, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, really cool. Well, before we uh, before we end this segment, I just want to take a, a quick moment as we've been talking about CVMA and raising money for vets. I want to turn to Devil Dog Devin real quick and hear about our project of the week and and learn a little bit about uh, some of the things that are going on. We're gonna we're gonna put him on the spot for a moment. Oh well, put me on the spot. Is it is that something we do on the show? Here I'm trying to see if I can make you turn red. I, you probably have you eaten could. enough crayons today. <laughs> if you haven't seen Devin's TikTok videos, uh, y'all y'all to check out either the Purple Heart Homes YouTube page or check out the TikTok page. Just uh, um, you know, do a search for Devil Dog Devin, and he's got some amazing uh, videos where I think he even uh, has some red teeth. The, the, there is a possibility. But let's talk about another devil dog instead. Let's talk about uh, uh, Mr. Alvarez out there in Georgia. Um, this this fella, he, 
he's got a pretty crazy story. Um, he was in Iraq and uh, uh, in a Humvee, and and unfortunately, boom, they got hit. Uh, but uh, they they ended up being in a firefight, and he was running in the turret in this Humvee. It was blown off of the Humvee. He caught shrapnel, got out of the Humvee, recovered his weapon, and started laying down fire till till uh, folks could come there and and uh, give him a hand. And now he's back. Um, he's back home. They discovered after this firefight. He'd actually received shrapnel in his heart. Is that crazy? That is crazy. I mean, like, I don't even know what to say. Shrapnel in his heart. Shrapnel in his heart, yeah. And so he, they can't remove it. It's still there. And this, this fella is, is just still living life to the fullest as he can. But uh, he's, he's got housing needs. Um, his, his roof, unfortunately, is connected to his porch. And the whole thing is just destabilized. We're talking about a $30,000 project. And and whenever we're talking about that for a veteran, we always try to reach out to, to some of our funding partners to share that burden because we're always stronger together. Um, Semper Fi for America Foundation came through, um, give us $10,000 uh, towards this project. Uh, Purple Heart Homes, the proper, we, we came up with 15. And then our local chapter down there in Atlanta, they contributed the rest. And we just want to thank everybody that's involved with that. We're still working towards this. It's going to take a little while. But uh, uh, thank you for, for helping this combat vet. Um, and uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I think about a Purple Heart. And, you know, a lot of times you think about shrapnel and you think, you know, where it, you know, can all the different places in your body can hit. But to to actually be hit in the heart and receive a purple heart. I mean, that's that's just crazy. It's almost and poetic, yeah. I, I think a lot of our listeners probably think about, you know, shrapnel, they think large pieces, but really it's, you know, sometimes it's fine little shards. I know years sure. after uh, our injury, uh, Dale would, you know, still be picking little pieces of shrapnel out of, out of his neck or out of his legs, and, uh, you know, this, you can't just get it all out. Right. So I imagine it's kind of the same with this piece of, you know, small shrapnel still in this veteran's heart and things you got to live with that are maybe unseen or unknown by a lot of our listeners. And so, um, you know, the, the support of the community, the opportunity to be able to have some conversations with, with the veterans to understand some of what they deal with. You know, so it's a real opportunity to uh, to show somebody that you care and, and get involved and support. And I just want to, uh, again, uh, say, you know, thanks for all those folks that are out there that are supporting, that make it make it happen. No matter where the project's at, um, every every supporter makes a difference in somebody's life. And so thank you Absolutely. all. Absolutely. Yes. Thank, thank you all to all the old folks yeah. who have donated. So you are listening hey. to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. And uh, we will be right back here in just a few moments where we will continue speaking with retired Lieutenant Colonel Rick Goforth, CVMA uh, veteran, Combat Motorcycle Association veteran, uh, affectionately referred to as Drifter, uh, doing some great things and supporting vets all across the state of North Carolina and, and all around the country. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. We are live here in WSIC News Studio with our special guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Rick Goforth. And we have been uh, learning about uh, Rick's uh, 
history here uh, growing up in Iredale County, his time in uh, service as a uh, as an Air Force uh, police officer and uh, dog handler uh, stationed at Myrtle Beach. What a horrible duty station that oh, must yeah. have been. Terrible. And then uh, then becoming a pilot and, and this wonderful story about how you become a pilot. I, I tell you, it's got to be inspirational to some of those uh, young listeners out there that that uh, you know may not uh, may not have the most encouragement, but it can be overcome, and uh, and you can be anything that you you want to be. And you know, I, I'm often uh, think about Paul Cockrum and how he tells the story about how he enlisted. That he he went into the Army recruiter's office, and uh, the recruiter said, "Son, are you ready to be all you can be?" And Paul says, "Yep." So I got up and went next door and joined the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, truly, uh, you know, we've. Um, we we got a you know great uh, military and uh, no matter which branch you serve in uh, there there's all types of opportunities and uh, Rick's a fine example of that and went on to uh, to have a, a career uh, where you retired from Delta recently and um, you know got to fly all around the world and now you're giving back to the community and so tell us a bit more about the work that you do with CVMA uh, Combat Vets Motorcycle Association and we're a uh, nationwide and plus we have chapters actually. Uh, in Europe and in Asia well as now uh, really? we're over 30,000 members strong uh, we have three categories of membership one is what's called a full member which is an actual uh, member that served in combat so to be a full member we have to prove that you actually served in a combat zone okay. um, then we have what's called a support member which is uh, someone who was in the military but didn't get the call to serve in a combat zone uh, so they can be a member, but they're considered a support member. And then uh, you have what's called an ox member, where if uh, you have a husband or wife, either one that's a full member or a support member, you can come in as an ox member. Um, and they're all very vital positions in our organization. And we have uh, we just had our big national convention a couple weeks ago out in Colorado Springs. Uh, next year it will be in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, so it brings a lot to the community, and a lot of people show up, and uh, it's just a great organization, best organization I've ever been. It's a been. family. It is. It's 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 a really good organization. Uh, I can't say good enough stuff about it. I mean, it has um, saved a lot of people. That's just the best way I say it because a lot of people that were kind of, and we all know what we're talking about. You, the thing about the military, you can go from Statesville, from all your friends, and Let's just use Myrtle Beach as an example. You've got instant friends everywhere you go. Absolutely. Instant friends. You don't have to worry about all this starting over from scratch and all this stuff. You, you're, you're in a fraternity that you absolutely cannot buy yourself into. You've earned your way into that fraternity. And as long as you don't screw up and you don't get a bad discharge or dishonorable or whatever, you will always Always been at fraternity. Look, Paramount. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh that's, that's, look that's at them awesome. goosebumps. That's right. And that's something that's that truth. nobody can take away from us. It is. And that is the proudest thing I can ever. When I talk to a young kid, I'm like, I try to tell him, yeah, you can join Kappa, Kappa, whatever, Kappa, Kappa, crap, and pay all your money and do all that stuff. But <laughs> I love it. They, 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 they can I'm going to use you that in the future. <laughs> you don't can, mind, do you? No, that's oh, yours. Man. They can kick you out. But Co op that. And ours, they can't. We're. We're it. Absolutely. You know, we will always be brothers and sisters in this organization. And that's the best thing about it. And CVMA is kind of an extension of that. We're not on active duty anymore. Uh, we do have members that are on active duty. I shouldn't say that. But myself, I'm not. So it continues on the rest of my life. I'm a, I'm a lifetime member, so I'll stay in it until 
I can't do anything else. And like I'm getting ready, I leave next Saturday, like I said, with my friend uh, Adam Blackburn and his wife Keitha, and uh, my girlfriend uh, Michelle. We're all going to Sturgis, and then done there, they're going to head back. I'm actually headed to the Arctic Ocean on a motorcycle. The Arctic Ocean on a motorcycle? Yeah, sixteen thousand miles round trip. You want to explain how that works? Uh, you get on the motorcycle, you stand up straight, you start it, put it uh -huh. in gear. And you go. <laughs> now I know you are a marine. Hey, yeah, so I got I some. I got some crayons. We can draw him a little picture. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean that's. I've tried. This is my third year. First year, COVID knocked me out. Uh, last year, tried it again. A uh, buddy that I was with um, had some medical problems. Had to turn around, and come back. So this year, I'm kind of going by myself, and I haven't said a whole lot about it because. When my mom was alive, she used to give me Reader's Digest. If you guys probably know enough to remember, yeah, remember Reader's Digest. Oh yeah, okay. I remember Reader's Digest. And you always remember it had like four pages, a story, and then behind that story had a little sub story. And I'll never forget this one story, and I've learned this lesson in life. It was, shh, the refrigerator's listening. And when I tell the story, you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. And this whole article was based on the fact you get your IRS refund check or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, we can go to the beach, we can do this, we can do that. Uh, and then the refrigerator goes out. Yeah. So it's like, shh, the refrigerator. So I think my, my refrigerator's heard that before, too. That's right. So <laughs> here I was all over Facebook. Oh, yeah, I'm going to the Arctic Ocean. I'm doing this, this, and this. Well, no, I didn't. COVID shut that down. So then I was like, okay, this year is it. We're going, going, going. Well, no, you're not. So this year, I'm finally putting it out right now. I'm going by myself. Nobody's going with me. And uh, I'm going to go all the way up there and back. Now, do you, you know, just kind of thinking through, I mean, this is a, a monumental trip. I mean, it is. It's a Somebody list. that's flown around the world countless times and, and flown from, from carrying passengers to combat missions. Uh, I think even, even some state dignitaries you've flown around. So. I actually have. I was lucky enough to work with President Reagan. And so, I mean, driving a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle to the Arctic Circle, are, are you going to, like, Post updates online where people I am, can follow. I actually follow have my own on. website, uh, hddrifter.com, and I'm not trying to. I'm just saying I will. I will uh, do a bunch of videos and uh, post stuff as we go, and then um, when I get back, I'll take it and I'll edit it, and then I'll be putting out two videos a week of the whole thing, of the whole trip, uh, documenting it. And uh, stuff like that. That sounds H incredible. HDDrifter.com. Yeah, HD I will definitely be uh, following along. Yeah. That sounds so. Fantastic. That'll be the, the whole thing will be on there. So it should be fun. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things. So like next year, uh, I'm going to Normandy. I've never been. I've flown over a hundred times in and out of Europe, but I've never been. So I'm flying to Brussels, renting a motorcycle, and going down to Normandy for three days. Um, and you, you. I'm absolutely positive you. This means more to you than it will to me. Is you know every day at five they have the lowering of the flag, yeah. Mm -hmm. And even watching it on YouTube, again, it just yeah. if, if you're a patriot and it doesn't make your hair stand up on your arm, then you need to be checked in. We had a uh, flag flown over the Capitol uh, here about two years ago, and uh, last year on D-Day. I had a veteran, uh, he's a Vietnam veteran friend, who took that flag that flew over to Capitol and dipped it in the water at Omaha Beach, uh, which is where my unit had landed oh uh, in during World War II. And in the process, I uh, made a little video and uh, <clears throat> signed it and then brought it back to us. And we, wow. have, it, we have it hung up in our, in our conference room. And I'm going to tell you, every time I walk in there, it just... 
you know, it just brings pride in my heart and goosebumps to my arms to think of that's why we do what we do. Well, I, I got to tell this quick story because I know we're coming to an end. Uh, everybody who's going up Highway 81 knows where Bedford, Virginia is, and it has the sign, the D-Day Memorial. Absolutely. I've been by it back and forth. Do you know why it's in Bedford, Virginia? No. no. I'm going to tell you why. They actually had an Army Reserve unit that was re- called up, and they were in Normandy. They went to Normandy. They had 28 of them in that unit. Mm, I think I have heard this story. 21 now. of them died. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They wiped, they wiped out a whole generation of that town. Yeah. And so per capita, Bedford had the biggest loss during the Normandy invasion, and that is why the DNA Memorial is there. And it's only two and a half hours from here. Yeah. It's I, amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's the sand on the uh, beach that they made, like Normandy, actually came from Normandy Beach. They donated it. That's incredible. So it's pretty, it's pretty freaking cool wow. to go see that. And Normandy itself, a little quick history, has 48 sets of brothers buried there, one father and son buried there, uh, only four women are buried there. The rest are men, 9,870-some men. Uh, and the, the four women that got killed actually died after the war. Their, their jeep hit a uh, IED and so or bomb. And uh, there is only one person from World War I buried there. And his brother from World War II is buried there, Roosevelt's two sons. That's incredible. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It, and so... Yeah, I, I look so forward to it, and then that'll probably be my... A little bit of a history buff, Rick. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> I'm like the Cliff Clavin of useless knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd call any of that useless knowledge. Uh, that, is, that is great but, history, great uh, American it's just, history. If you're looking to do something for a family or and you want your kids to be proud of your country, which I really hope you do, it's such a short drive up to Bedford. And, and for $1, you'll have an old guy walk you around and tell you the whole history. Like the big map that's there, it's a it's a remake of the map of the, of the invasion, and there was two guys from England who built that map. Once they finished it, they would not let them leave. They were under uh, protection, so couldn't give out the information on the that invasion. That is crazy. Well, I'm gonna wow. tell you what. I learned something else. I, I did not know that you uh, flew President Reagan around. You were on his. We flew his detail. cars. We flew oh, his okay. cars. Oh, flew his cars. I mean, that's, that's no big deal. Just I just flew the president's car around for him. Well, we did it during his reelection, <laughs> and and he is the most admirable guy. When he died, I went up to the rotunda to walk around and came right back. But at the end of it, there's nine guys on our crew. He came by. He knew every one of our names, every one of our hometowns. Wow. That's incredible. That's great. Well, we're definitely going to have to have you back for that. We're uh, we're coming to a wrap here. Rick, thank you so much. Uh, just thank you for your service. Thank you for all you continue to do for our vets, for our community, and uh, just being an all-around great American. Uh, really proud to know you and call you friend. And uh, you are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. Devin, any closing words? Uh Hey, be good to each other, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, and happy birthday, Devin. Got a birthday coming up. Thank you. I appreciate that. John's making me fly away. (laughs) 